Hi everyone, this is Eric Izwa from the Summons from Gallifrey podcast. This is now episode 18, where we're going through Sylvester McCoy's final story, Survival, which also happens to be the final story of classic Doctor Who. This is it, folks, this is it. We now make it to season 26. John Nathan Turner was okay to stay on, but once again, he was asking his bosses for another assignment. Just in case he wasn't able to secure anything, he convinced Andrew Cartmill to stay on for another season. Season 25 saw some real gems of stories, such as Remembrance of the Daleks and The Greatest Show in the Galaxy. There was also a 25th anniversary special called Silver Nemesis, but unfortunately, it just wasn't as popular as the 20th anniversary special of The Five Doctors. I mean, what could beat The Five Doctors? That was amazing. The mood of season 25 was a purposeful shift of McCoy's Doctor. In Time in the Ronnie, we saw that he was a bit of a physical and dialogue comedian, but in season 25, they decide to move the Doctor towards a type of being that's playing 5D chess. Somewhere in there, as I mentioned, he dropped Mel off as a companion and picked up an even younger companion named Ace, who McCoy really leaned on to carry the physical aspects of their adventures, while he would kind of take over things in the brain category. To continue this, at the beginning of season 26, Cartmill brought in Sophie Aldred, who plays Ace, to involve her character development early on. Cartmill's preferred approach was for the writers to work together as a team from the very start of the season. And it really showed in the quality of the stories that they put forward for season 26. One thing that Andrew Cartmill really made a push for in the story department was multi-layered approaches. This is still, remembering, this is still the late 80s, so sometimes the layering of themes aren't quite so subtle but it's a definite change from anything that Doctor Who has done previously. Ghost Light and The Curse of Fenric were really good stories that also stood out during season 26, of which I now have the incidental music soundtracks that I mentioned in the last episode. We now get to Survival, a three-part adventure written by Rona Monroe. With that recap out of the way, let's get into this. Oh, I'm excited. Episode 1. We open on a quiet British street. A dude is washing his car. A black cat is watching him from a nearby wall. The cat hisses. While the dude's back is turned, something is creeping up on him. We turn ar- he turns around to face the camera who starts moving towards him. He tries to run away but trips and falls. He screams as he disappears in a bright white flash. On another street, another cat leaps out of the way as the TARDIS materializes. Ace and the Doctor exit the TARDIS with Ace complaining about being back in her boring, quiet hometown of Paravale on a Sunday. The worst day of the week. She's really chastising the Doctor for bringing them there. She was only wondering what her old gang was up to lately, not intending for the Doctor to bring her here. As they're walking and talking, they walk past the half-washed car belonging to the dude, with his mother nearby looking around a little bit bewildered. The doctor notices, but Ace promises him that nothing ever happens here. Cut to a hillside, 
Ace is showing the doctor another of her hangouts, but nobody's there. The doctor finds some recently used tin cans and horse prints on the ground, horse hoof prints on the ground, but Ace just scoffs at that. Nobody has a horse in Paravale. We cut to a small group of kids playing with a football. They're just playing catch back and forth. That same black cat from earlier on is watching them. We then see the eyes of the master. Well, we only see sort of a figure in uh, just sitting in a, in a really dark room with light, a patch of light over his eyes. But you can kind of tell right away that it's the master. His eyes are all yellow, matching the color of the cat's. He's saying a few words, but they deepen his voice to disguise it a bit. He tells the cat that there's no sport in those kids, so the cat ignores him. The kids come running down from the hill past the doctor and Ace. She hangs up on a payphone, dejectedly saying that nobody's there. The doctor is sort of looking bored, but at the same time noticing the occasional cat around them. She asks if they can try the youth center, and he just nods. Cut to a few minutes later and they show up to an empty youth center. On the bulletin board, there's an Easter egg of Cats the Musical poster, which is a neat touch. The doctor opens a door and there's a group of young men all in sweatpants around a mat. A coach in army fatigues is coaching two of them who are on the mat. Ace and the doctor watch as one of them takes down the other with the coach teaching them about self-defense. The coach sends the group to the showers, but talks to the kid who took down the other one. He's upset with the coach because he had won, but the coach had forced him to finish off the other kid. Basically forcing him down to the mat, even though it, it was pretty clear that he had won. The coach is egging on this guy, telling him that he's teaching him the survival of the fittest. He's teaching him how to fight back because life is hard. While he's talking to the kid, he's constantly poking at him with his finger. Finally, the kid tries to punch the coach, who laughs, not in a mocking way, and he blocks it, happy that he's finally got a reaction from the kid. He makes sure that the kid is okay and then sends him off. The doctor chastises the coach a bit for his techniques, who we find out is Sergeant Patterson. A real sergeant. The doctor steps out of the room to look around again, stopping at the cat's poster, giving us a real thinking face. Meanwhile, Ace is talking to Patterson, asking him where everyone else is. He's asking her for any specific names, but she just calls, keeps calling them everyone. He starts to recognize Ace, dropping us hints that her friends aren't really the best group of people. He tells her that she's lucky the police only left her off with a warning. Outside the room, the doctor is looking out the window at the same black cat who just hisses at the doctor. We see the master's face, who is really pleased. He's smiling. We cut back to the sergeant walking out to meet the doctor with Ace. He's telling her that maybe her friends have all moved on. He starts chastising her for disappearing. Ace's mom had her listed as a missing person, but Ace doesn't seem to care. He then mentions that four kids have all vanished this month, right into thin air. Ace gets really uncomfortable and tries to drag the doctor away. The sergeant tries to explain to the doctor that he's trying to teach the youth about survival of the fittest. Half of them just won't make it in life. 
The doctor asks him if the town has any problem with stray cats, and the sergeant just laughs that they have bigger issues. The doctor and Ace leave while the black cat hisses at them again. Sometime later, the doctor and Ace are walking down an another main street. Well, main street, not a another main street. They're walking down main street. There's a news billboard out front of a general store type of shop with the headline of another missing woman that the doctor notices. Meanwhile, Ace is still blabbing on about nothing ever happening in Paravale. Luckily, there's a pub right next to the general store. Ace leaves the doctor to check out the pub while he goes into the general store. In the general store, there's two employees talking about survival of the fittest again. Can we see a theme developing here? One of them doesn't want to be there on a Sunday, but he's forced to because of all the other shops in town are open. They finally pay attention to the doctor who's staring at cat food. The doctor asks their advice and they load him down with a few different kinds of cat food. The doctor then goes over to, tr to try finding some cheese. Meanwhile, one dude starts telling the other dude a joke about two different dudes in the jungle. The one dude doesn't understand the punchline, so the doctor butts in, telling him that the dude in the story doesn't need to outrun the lion, just his own friend, as the lion presumably catches up and kills him. Repeating another theme again about the law of the jungle, the strong survive and the weak are killed. The doctor is staring at the spot where the cat food was, with the two men coming up to, on either side to join him, admiring his joke explanation. But then the doctor asks him another question, what will happen to the dude when the next lion shows up? He points to the cans and the black cat jumps out from behind the tins of cat food and runs out of the shop, basically causes the other, the other two guys to jump. The doctor warns the two shopkeepers that they better get their running shoes on. He strolls out of the store carrying all the goods. Ace is waiting outside on a picnic table just sighing in boredom. Nobody in the pub has heard of her friends either. One of the shopkeepers comes out to remind the doctor that he's forgotten to pay. The other one is in the back of the store with a flashlight looking for his own cat named Tiger. He suddenly spots something and yells for the other one who comes running. He tells him that something has eaten Tiger. And then we cut to a terrible cat prop with bite marks in it. I mean, it looks... I mean, I guess what kind of cat prop can you find, really? But it's everything, everything you could probably find as a prop is like a stuffed kitty. And that's really what it looks like. Anyways, luckily, it's only for a second or two. We cut to the front of another store. There's a girl about Ace's age with a tin can out front shaking for donations. Ace recognizes her as Anne and starts asking her where everyone is. She has no clue, she just assumed that everyone had moved away. We finally get some names. There's Jay, Stevie, Blow, who has married Darth, I guess, Shreela, and Midge. They've all just vanished sometime over the last month. Anne shakes her donation can and Ace drops in some coins. She approaches the doctor who stares at the can and starts mentioning that it's not the best way to hunt your prey. You don't kill everyone at once, you stalk them slowly picking them off one by one, covering your tracks. Ace is finally getting the feeling that the doctor thinks something is going on. Gee, you think, Ace? It does take Ace a little bit longer than normal to kind of pick things up here. 
The doctor wanders off asking himself, when is a cat not a cat? He pulls a, uh, one of the tin can cat foods out of his plastic bag, telling Ace that it's bait. Back on another side street, the boy who is having a problem with the sergeant is jogging home. He rounds a street corner and we see the cat is watching him. The master tells the cat that he's perfect. We then see the, the point of view with the camera right in front of the boy and then the camera shoots up, shoots up as if it was something large. Um, and then it starts chasing the boy who's trying to run backwards. As with the other dude, he stumbles to the ground and he too disappears in a flash. The doctor and Ace are heading down another side street. She's complaining about the sergeant telling her off for not bothering to call home for a few coins. Would anyone listen to her? Who would believe her? Meanwhile, the doctor is clearly distracted. He's got the plastic bag and taking out more tins of cat food. Ace is trying to tell him a story, but he's too focused on the cat food, asking Ace for a tin opener. She pulls one out of her pocket and then keeps walking down the street towards the park nearby. The doctor puts some cat food out on the street and then hides behind a bush. A regular cat soon comes along and starts to snack with the doctor trying to shoo him away. The doctor sighs. Meanwhile, Ace is at a nearby park on some of the equipment. Nearby, she spots the black cat eating something. She walks over and picks it up and then sits on a swing. The cat yelps and crawls out of her arms, running away. Behind Ace, we see the camera zooming upwards again, along with a big rush of air blowing her hair. Ace turns around to see a cheetah woman on the back of a horse. At first, Ace is really fascinated, but then the cheetah chick growls at her and starts giving chase. Ace dodges her by going in and around various playground equipment. The doctor is still waiting at the same spot when a dog comes sniffing along at the cat food. He suddenly hears Ace yelling for him, so he takes off at a run towards the park. Ace thinks that she's got a chance to run for it and takes off through the open field. She's sprinting as hard as she can, with the cheetah woman getting closer and closer. Ace turns to look behind her, and there's a bright white light, and she disappears. Ace reappears at the top of a gravel mountain path or something. She looks around and runs or falls down a path to the ground below. Back at the park, the doctor sprints around the corner to see the park is completely deserted. He spots the still swinging tire swing that Ace was sitting on. He's aware that she's been taken to another planet, but he vows to find her. Back on the alien world, Ace crawls to her feet. She spots the dude from beginning from the beginning of the story, lifeless nearby, still holding a pink sponge from washing his car. His body is basically dead in the bushes. Ace looks up and sees the cheetah woman on the horse right above her. Ace takes off trying to sprint through the brush. The cheetah woman gives a howl and chases after her. Meanwhile, the doctor is back at the cat food. He spots the black cat eating the food and is reaching to nab it when suddenly the doctor is grabbed from behind by the sergeant. He's also part of the neighborhood watch and responding to some complaints about the doctor. He begs, to let the, the, he begs the sergeant to let him go, but the sergeant calls him a nuisance. The doctor realizes that he has no choice. He sticks a finger right in the center of the sergeant's forehead 
and he collapses to the ground watching the doctor run after the cat. Back on the planet, Ace is sprinting trying to get away from the cheetah woman. On the forest path that she's on, she reaches a clearing and trips. The cheetah woman gets down from her horse and approaches Ace. Suddenly that jogger dude that, that we saw earlier comes out from behind another tree and tries to draw the attention of the cheetah girl, telling Ace to run away. The cheetah girl runs right past Ace and tackles the jogger dude to the ground. She then gets up and, and runs past Ace again to get back on her horse. She guides the horse back to the jogger dude and picks him up throwing him on her horse while trotting away. Ace hears another voice calling her name from the bushes. Another girl comes out, of the, comes out where the jogger dude came from. It's Srila. Srila tells her that next time don't run. They become a target if they run. The doctor is chasing the cat down some side streets with the sergeant on his bicycle chasing after the doctor. Srila brings Ace to a little campfire. There's two other men sitting around the fire. Ace recognizes one of them as Midge, so Ace asks about Stevie. He was there, but they reckon that he's cat food. The other dude there is named Derek. He's lasted three weeks. Midge tells Ace they're going to have to move soon, as the cat people sometimes hunt at night. The doctor comes around the corner and spots the black cat on top of a wall. He gets up on the wall and slowly crawls towards the cat. Again, just as he's about to nab the cat, the sergeant nabs the doctor's ankle. The cat freaks out and disappears with a flashing light, which causes the same flashing light around the doctor and the sergeant, who also now disappear. They land in the middle of a cat tent camp. They get up slowly, the doctor tells the sergeant to shut up, and they might just survive. While they're slowly walking, the cat people are herding them towards one tent in particular. The doctor pokes the tent flap open with his umbrella to reveal the master. Master's eyes turn yellow, welcoming the doctor. That's a cliffhanger for episode one. Episode two. Ace is watching more black cats pick over some animal bones. Shreela comes up behind her and tells her that the regular black cats don't pose a threat. They're more like vultures, just picking them off once they're dead. Back at the camp, the master tells the doctor to run. The sergeant is taking half a step before the doctor grabs him, telling him not to run. He'll just become cat food. The master pulls out a shiny hacky sack and he throws it at the feet of the sergeant. Despite the doctor protesting, the sergeant bolts off and is quickly surrounded by all the cheetah hunters. Patterson curls up in a ball while the cheetah people are just playing with him. The master wants to discuss something with the doctor. The doctor comments on the shiny hacky sack thing and the master pulls out a few more of them. The doctor grabs them from his hand and tries to use them to distract the cheetah hunters from the sergeant. Meanwhile, Ace and the others come out of the woods near a path. The two boys are convinced that they'll be dead soon, but Ace tries to convince them that they need to catch a cheetah hunter. However, the last time they tried that, the hunter killed Stevie. They make a comment that the path they're on is always the one they ride in and out of the, in and out of the camp on. Ace finally manages to convince Srila that they can do it. 
The doctor fails to get the attention of the cheetah hunters, but he does manage to get one of their horses. He circles around and picks up the sergeant while the master is warning him that the cheetah hunters are all under his command. They leave the camp on horseback. The cheetah hunters slowly crawl towards the, hunt the master who promises them more food. Ace and Trila are up in some trees bordering the path with a thin rope stretched across the road. They hear the sound of a horse and they try to hide in the trees. A cheetah hunter rides up and slows down, using its claws to cut the rope. It then just looks at Ace and hisses while riding away. The doctor and Patterson are slowly trotting through another area. The sergeant wants to know where they are. The doctor tells him that they're on a different planet being hunted by the cheetahs. Nobody's learned much about them because they haven't survived long enough. The, the doctor does want to know why they're hunting so far away from their feeding grounds though. The doctor then points to one of the black cats, calling them Kitling. Basically, they are indeed versions of vultures, the, the cat versions of vultures, which teleports between worlds, tagging meat to be brought back. Back on Earth, a milkman is delivering milk bottles, not realizing that he's being followed by a kitling. Ace and the crew are sitting by their campfire when they again hear the sounds of an incoming horse. They feel another rope that is stretched across the road being tripped. Ace runs out of the bush with a flaming torch and the others close behind her. Patterson is on the ground shaking in fear. Ace hears a cough and turns to see the doctor hanging upside down in their trap. What kept you, Professor? She asks him. The master is feeding one of the cheetah hunters some scraps of meat while wondering what the doctor's plan is. The doctor and the others are making their way along some of the dirt paths when they come to a clearing with a few cheetah people just lying around. They take cover with the sergeant telling everyone to follow his lead. Stick together and they'll get through this. The doctor tells him to shut up. The planet is disintegrating and the safest place is going to be towards a volcano in the distance. The doctor tells Ace that it might be the only place safe from the master. She asks him if he knows any nice ordinary regular people. Everyone he knows wants to take over the universe. But he tells Ace that he's not planning to take over the universe this time. He's got some kind of mental link with the Kitlings. They seek out food to bring back to the cheetah people. The master is standing on another cliff holding a kitling in his hands. He tells it to seek out the doctor and find him. And then the cat runs away. Yeah. The master repeats to himself that he must keep control. The group are slowly walking past the group of lounging cheetah people. The cheetah people are just ignoring them because they're not hungry. A few of them hiss, but otherwise just ignore the group of humans. They make it across the clearing and are heading down a path with the doctor proudly explaining that if they remain calm, they'll make it. Suddenly there's a flash of white light and the milkman appears nearby. Oh no, says the doctor. The milkman takes one look around and totally panics, sprinting down the hill through the group and ends up in the hands of cheetah people that they just walked past. Ace is just about to pick up a rock to fight back, but the doctor grabs her, trying to tell her to keep still. The other humans break ranks and all start picking up rocks and sticks to throw back at the cheetah people. The sergeant tells them to fight back and move, with the boys now listening to him. 
There's a general brawl everywhere as small groups of cheetah people are each chasing one of the humans. Despite his protests, even Ace can't resist fighting back and runs after some cheetah people trying to help her friends. Ace manages to throw a rock at a cheetah hunter on a horse which hits it in the forehead, but it's pure bedlam. Lots of action all around, filmed and edited pretty good to make it appear really chaotic. The doctor is in the middle of all this, standing still, yelling everyone to calm down and do the same thing, but he's being totally ignored. A group of the humans, it looks like Sergeant, Shreela and Derek, run down a side path. It looks like Midge has run off on a different direction into an open field, so a cheetah hunter is giving him chase on horseback. The doctor is looking around for Ace but can't find her. It's only now that he starts to take a few steps. Meanwhile, Ace has made it to a nearby pond. It's basically the size of a drinking hole. On the other side of the pond, Ace notices the cheetah rider that Ace hit with the rock. And she's, she's on the horse, pretty much moving slowly towards the hole, the water hole. She knows that Ace is there, but she doesn't care and crawls to the water. She growls and sticks her head in the water. After a few minutes, she's not moving. Ace runs over from the other side and pulls the cheetah hunter out of the water and flips her over on her back. After a few moments, the cheetah's yellow eyes open up. The doctor comes up to the top of a hill, shaking his head for Ace. The master is waiting there with his kitling, asking the doctor how his hunt is going. Meanwhile, Midge is still running from the horseback rider. He makes it into a small clearing, and the cheetah hunter knocks him down. The hunter dismounts to approach Midge, but as she does so, there's another nearby growl and another cheetah hunter attacks the cheetah hunter. Basically, the two of them fight each other. There's suddenly a large rumble noise from the planet. The master comments to the doctor that there must be fighting in the Dead Valley. The doctor realizes that the planet is breaking up. The master nods his head and tells the doctor that the animals are part of the planet. So whenever they fight each other, they trigger explosions. They hasten the planet's destruction. The doctor wants to know how long do they have. The master tells him that it's not long at all. They've been fighting a long time. Back to the two cheetahs fighting each other. One of them manages to maim the other, leaving it nearly dead. Instead of it going after Midge, it just leaves. Midge spots a skeleton head nearby with some really long teeth bones. Picture something like a saber-toothed tiger, something like that. He snaps off a tooth and creeps towards the maimed cheetah just lying on the ground, barely moving. He uses the, the tooth like a knife to kill the maimed cheetah hunter. Meanwhile, the cheetah and Ace are bonding with each other. I think they start to see themselves within each other. Back with the master and the doctor. The doctor realizes that the master is stuck there. Kitlings can only bring food, but it's just a one-way street. The master knows that the doctor will figure a way out. He always does. The master warns him that just being on the planet infects you. It bewitches you. He tells the doctor that the original civilization on the planet were responsible for creating the killings. It eventually corrupted them which led to their destruction. The master fears that they shall all revert to some kind of feral life. 
Master's eyes go yellow again and he starts meowing or baying at the sun. It's like a meow half owl. Basically, they, they give it a sound effect like a wolf howl. While the master is distracted, the doctor shakes, takes this chance to walk away. Shreela, the sergeant, and Derek are still running and they finally take a break. They look up when they hear a twig snap and they see Midge slowly walking towards him with his bloody saber-tooth dagger in his hand. Back at the pond, the cheetah is begging Ace for water to help heal herself. Ace runs to the pond and cups some water in her hand. She notices that it slightly sparkles. She runs back and the cheetah hunter starts lapping it out of her hands. She nods her thanks and passes out. Ace is about to touch her hair when the doctor calls to her. He warns her that these hunters are extremely dangerous. He also tells Ace that because of that they're extremely attractive. Ace is pretty sure that it's the same cheetah hunter that was chasing her from back on Earth. Ace realizes that the doctor has a plan. He's figured out that the hunters will always bring their prey home. This could be their way out of this. They need to find a hunter whose home is Earth. She nods that they better keep this cheetah alive. Which is not very clear. It, it's Eventually we find out that this cheetah is from Earth, but it's not really clear right now. They wouldn't know this. But the doctor again warns Ace that this could be extremely dangerous. She shrugs it off and she tells him that she's nobody's bowl of cat food. Behind the doctor and Ace, the master is watching them. He smiles and repeats, whose home is Earth. Back with the human group, the sergeant is trying to rally the others. Midge steps beside the sergeant and agrees to following Patterson. It's kill or be killed. Everyone has to pull their own weight. Midge glares threateningly at Derek. The master is pulling apart some strips of cloth from a nearby animal skeleton. He's basically creating a rope. Or er, leash. Back with Ace and the doctor. She's admitting to the doctor how much she likes being there, which is worrying him. She feels like she belongs there. The doctor realizes that Ace and the cheetah have connected. He presses her to find out what Ace is feeling. She tells him that she could run forever. She smells everything so clearly. The doctor asks her if she's feeling anything else. She pauses and tells the doctor that she's starving. Suddenly they hear cries of help from Derek. The doctor and Ace run around the corner from where they were to find Midge trying to kill Derek, with Srila and the sergeant trying to stop it. The doctor breaks it up. Midge confesses that he killed the cheetah. The doctor tells him that it's not too late to go home. Midge's eyes turn yellow and he hisses at the group, now showing fangs. He takes off. The doctor tells the others that they need to follow Midge and they all run after him. The master's kitling has also found Midge and is relaying his position back to the master, who starts grinning. He's got a rope finishes. he's now finished the rope leash and he's, he now takes off after Midge. So both the master and the doctor and the group of humans are running after Midge. Midge rounds a corner and straight into the master. The master manages to tie his leash around Midge's neck just as the doctor and the others come around the corner. The master tells Midge to go hunting, to go home. The 
doctor tries to talk to Midge, but there's no more Midge. It's completely turned feral. Sniffs the air again and leaps into a portal, bringing the master with him. Trila is at least happy to hear that there's a way home. The doctor tells him that the only way to, is to wait for one of them to start turning feral and then use them to use them to go home before they're all killed. They hear a horse snort and Ace's cheetah is watching them from nearby. Ace takes a few Ace takes a few steps towards her, happy to see that she's feeling better. She turns back towards the doctor to reveal that her eyes are now yellow. That's the cliffhanger to episode 2. Episode 3, final episode. This is it everyone. The cheetah hunter begs Ace to help to join her in a hunt. The cheetah hunter begs Ace to join her in a hunt. They run off together laughing. The doctor tells the others to stick together and wait for him while he runs after Ace. Meanwhile, the master and Midge are in Midge's apartment. Midge is just lying down on the couch, meowing out of exhaustion. The master's eyes are still yellow. He's looking into a mirror, trying to regain control of his mind from the planet. He vows that if his own will should be lost to the planet, then he will find the doctor and destroy him as his last act. The cheetah tells Ace that her name is Kara and that they're sisters. Ace denies that, but Kara insists that they belong together. Ace is starting to like how she feels, but she stares at her own reflection in some water and realizes that she needs to get back to the doctor. Kara wants to find something to eat, promising Ace that the hunt will make her feel alive. She howls and two horses come up. Kara gets onto one, urging Ace to join her. The doctor is trying to find Ace, worried that she's slipping away and won't be able to come back. Kara and Ace come across another dead animal with lots of meat left on the corpse. Kara gets to the animal and urges Ace to join her in eating. But Ace wants to know that if there were no meat, if there was no meat nearby, would Kara eat her? For a moment, it looks like Ace is back in control and about to leave. But then her eyes go yellow again, and she dismounts, eager to start eating the animal carcass. The doctor comes around the corner, calling for her. There's some looks back and forth between Kara and the doctor, but finally Ace's eyes return to normal, and she runs back to the doctor. They leave and head back towards the other humans. As they return, the doctor tells Ace that she can help them all get back to Earth, but in doing so, she might lose herself permanently. Ace is hesitating and asks the doctor for help on her decision, but he tells her that it's her choice that she must make. After a few seconds, she grabs the doctor's hand and they sprint towards Sheila, Derek, and the sergeant. They all hold hands and Ace teleports them all back to Earth, landing right next to the TARDIS. Srila hugs Ace and runs home. The sergeant has some kind of mental relapse or something. He's basically convinced that he was blacked out on the street this whole time and the others were just leaving him there. He mutters that he's late for self-defense and wanders away, with Ace and the doctor just shaking their heads. Derek thanks the doctor and Ace and then runs off in another direction for home. Ace wants to get back into the TARDIS, but the doctor tells her they have unfinished business with the master. They head towards Midge's apartment. 
Meanwhile, the Master's will has fully dominated Mitch. The Master knows that the Doctor is coming for him, so they're laying a trap. They steal a motorcycle from a bike shop. Actually, two motorcycles. Ace and the Doctor arrive at Midge's apartment to find it empty. They spot another fake dead cat, well, supposedly dead cat on the floor, with a crying little girl who points them in the direction that Midge and the Master went. At the youth club, a bunch of youths are waiting for the sergeant for the self-defense class. The door opens up and Midge comes in wearing shades, informing the group that the sergeant has been held up. Back at Midge's apartment, the doctor knows that the master is trying to trap him. He wants to find a way to spring the trap early before the master is ready. Suddenly Ace gets the yellow eyes and tells the doctor that Midge is at the youth club. They take off. In the youth club, Midge, still wearing shades, is talking to the group of youths about survival of the fittest. It's basically the same speech the sergeant was giving them back in episode 1. The dead weight have to be cut out, etc. He takes off his shades to reveal his yellow eyes. Don't move, he says out loud, and the youths all freeze. The master shows up at the back of the class. Whatever the master says, Midge just repeats, proving the total mind domination that the master has. Basically, it's kind of hard to, well, I mean, after a few seconds, we, we get the picture, but basically the master has dominated the minds of all the youths that are, that are here in this room, um, turning them into his own gang. Just then, the sergeant comes through the door. It, he looks hilarious because his clothes are basically falling apart from being on the cheetah planet, like he's got rip marks everywhere and shreds of his fatigues are, are, are all uh, messed up. But he starts talking, apologizing for being late, and urging the youth that it's time to get things moving. The youth step, all step aside to reveal the master and Midge, which causes the sergeant to stop at his tracks. The master sends Midge over to take care of the sergeant, who walks towards him with a big smile. The doctor and Ace sprint around the corner to the youth center. They run inside to find the sergeant dead on the floor. Ace gets another yellow eyes moment and the doctor asks her where. A while later, they find the motorcycle that Midge stole in that big field that Ace brought the doctor to back in episode one. Ace's eyes are still yellow, but the doctor snaps her out of it. She's really scared because she doesn't even know that she's doing it. Just then, Midge appears at the top of the field on another motorcycle. Coming up next to him are all the youths from the youth center followed by the master. The master tells Midge that he is the master's hunting dog, the teeth for his trap, the teeth to destroy. He gives Midge the saber-toothed knife back. Ace tries to get on the motorcycle in front of them, but the doctor yanks her off with his umbrella. He tells her that if she fights, she'll stay a yellow cheetah forever. He gets on the bike and revs it up, heading towards Midge. The two of them race towards each other. Ace screams as the two bikes hit each other in a huge explosion. The master walks up to a conscious but very bloody Midge and tells him that the strong must survive. He knows what to do. Midge basically submits himself to dying. Ace runs up to the crash and finds the doctor's hat and umbrella, but no doctor. All of the youths start marching towards Ace. Ace keeps repeating to herself that she must not fight. The youths get closer and closer. 
Ace screams out for someone to help her, anyone. Suddenly there's a flash of light and Kara appears on her horse. She chases away the youths and circles around the master. He commands her to dismount. She gets off her horse and walks towards him. He tells her that he commands her here in this realm. She has no power, no power over him. We see that he's got the saber-toothed knife behind his back. She asks him if he can bleed and she tries to leap on the master, but he guts her with a knife while Ace screams. The master laughs then runs away. As he's running, he spots the doctor bent over some thrown away couches. He got thrown clear across somewhere um, on the other side of the hill, basically on the, the town dump, I guess. Ace runs up to Kara, who's now turned back to a human. Ace promises to help her, but Kara just smiles and dies. Back in front of the TARDIS, the Master's trying to break into it when the Doctor surprises him. The Master starts circling around the Doctor, while telling him that the power from the Cheetah Planet has almost consumed him. Him, a Time Lord. But he declares that he's in control of the power, and that at last he can destroy the Doctor. He lunges at him and the two teleport back to the cheetah planet. We're back at that camp where the doctor had first found the master. He's choking the doctor's throat while the doctor is fighting him back. The doctor pushes the master off him and picks up a nearby skull. He brings it up over his head ready to smash it against the master but then realizes what's going on. The doctor tells the master that the only way to escape is to stop fighting. They'll only destroy themselves if they keep going. The more they keep fighting, the more the planet is breaking apart. The master uses this opportunity to grab a nearby bone and prepares to hit the doctor, telling him that he should have killed him. The doctor drops to his knees, shouting that if we fight like animals, we die like animals. He then teleports back to Earth. He's still on his knees, but he's now next to the TARDIS. Meanwhile, Ace is still grieving over Kara when there's another teleportation sound and a cheetah on horseback shows up. Ace backs away from Kara and the cheetah teleports away again, taking Kara's body with her. Ace puts on the doctor's hat and smiles at the, as the doctor comes up behind her and takes the hat back from her head. The doctor tells her that the planet is gone, but the hunt goes on. It will always be a part of Ace, which makes her a bit happy. Ace asks about the master, uh, about which the doctor just shrugs. He asks Ace where to now and she says home, back to the TARDIS. They both smile at each other and walk away. There's a small voiceover speech by the doctor that somewhere out there there's more injustice, that they've still got work to do. It's a pretty good speech. And that's where they end things. Done. You almost kind of get shivers up your spine. Uh, knowing that this is the last episode for another 19 years when you see when you hear uh, McCoy's last speech there okay let's as we always do let's take a look at the numbers episode 1 pulled in 5 million episode 2 4.8 million and episode 3 5.0 million viewers higher than what we saw from time in the Ronnie. While the numbers don't show it, the production quality really made an improvement from season 24. Cartmel has definitely made a mark on the quality of the show, and while it's definitely a shame this is where the production stopped, I feel like they went out on a really good note. 
This story was a great showcase of the master. There's no over-the-top silliness or other antics from Anthony Ainley. I think he finally manages to play the master the way that maybe he's always wanted to. I give this one a solid three and a half kitlings. In all probability, if there was a season 27, JNT would have likely stayed on another year. Andrew Cartmel was not sure himself about staying on for another season, but he also had a strong short list of possible replacements in Ben Aronovich or Mark Platt, who also contributed scripts during season 25 and 26. There was also a high chance that Sophie Aldred would have moved on, only being initially contracted for eight episodes of the next 14 episode season. But that really doesn't mean too much. Uh, in some cases, maybe she would be in maybe the first episode of season 27, and then they would just pay her out for the rest of the contract. Over the off-season, the BBC would make numerous statements and promises in the media that Doctor Who will be back and would not be abandoned. But by the end of the year, well, that was already the end of the year, but, so, but by next year it was pretty clear that it was being shelved. And there was just basically no new news. Whenever a, an executive was questioned on the show, uh, it was pretty much the same responses that they're looking at how to bring it back. And that is the end of Sylvester McCoy season 26 and survival. Um, yeah, that's about it for our first season of this podcast. I really had a great time doing this whole thing. I do have one more episode planned for this. I wanted to do a final summary where I kind of go through a um, a ranking of all the openers and closers that we reviewed over this whole season, as well as some thoughts in general about putting this podcast together for you. I think it'll be a pretty interesting uh, episode, so I hope you stick around for that. Thanks as always. Uh, let me know what you thought. Please get in touch with me on Twitter. I'm at E-Y-U-Z-W-A, e uh, which is will be in the show notes here. I'll leave my Twitter link in the show notes. Mention this podcast to your friends. And yeah, I'll be thinking over the summer here about what to do for season two of this podcast. I'm pretty excited about continuing. Uh, so I want to come up with some kind of theme for the next season. Hopefully, or not hopefully, but I will probably not want to make it as long. I think one one takeaway was that this ended up being a lot more episodes than I was originally predicting. Um, so even though I had a good time, it, it, I did find it kind of long. But I'll go into that a little bit more in this uh, next final episode, final, final episode of season one. Anyways, my name's Eric. Have a great, great day wherever you are, and we'll see you next time. Peace.